very much for that as well. And uh, we'll keep you posted on uh, these folks. There's a website you can actually go to if you need that information. You can see Sister Murph or Christy. They'll, they'll connect you with that through Facebook and all of that, however it works. There's also a website that's set up if you'd like to contribute to them, to their expenses. You can do that as well. Exodus chapter 5, verse 20. I have kind of a different scripture reading for a Sunday morning message. It's one of whining. It's a scripture text of complaining. Notice in Exodus chapter 5, verse 20, And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh, and they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servant to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. What a scripture text. Does anybody feel like just hooping and hollering right now? Amen. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning, just simply a lesson learned. A lesson learned. Everybody say thank God for the word. Thank you for your patience and standing, and you may be seated. How many here today know that we really do serve a mighty God? Amen. Let's give the Lord some appreciation. We all love to talk about the wonderful, miracle-working power of Almighty God. And I'll say again that truly, He is a mighty God. He has all power in His hand, and that there is nothing too hard for God to do. Any problem that you might have right now or will have in the future, is not too hard for God to solve. I believe that today with all of my heart. Any trouble that you find yourself in right now or in the future is not too hard for God to fix. Any situation that is relative to your particular set of unique circumstances from your life is not too big for God to deal with and to take care of. This is an all-inclusive message today for everyone sitting in the building, and we do welcome the Bunch family at St. Jude's on live stream this morning, and along with others who are watching live stream with us today. So bottom line is it doesn't matter what the problem is, it doesn't matter what the need is, it doesn't matter what the situation is, it doesn't matter what the adversity is, because God is a mighty God who is able to save. It doesn't matter how strong the storm is. It doesn't matter how fierce the winds are blowing. It doesn't matter how high the floodwaters are. It doesn't matter how bad it looks to everyone around you. It doesn't matter how serious it looks right now because God is able to meet your need in just one instant of time because he is a mighty, mighty God. The Bible said the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous runneth into it and are saved. If you believe that this morning, clap your hands and shout yes. 
Praise the Lord. May I continue. If you have a financial need, no problem. If you have a need for healing, no problem. If you have a marital need, no problem. If you have a family need, no problem. If you're in need of salvation today, no problem. If you have any need at all, it's not a problem with God because our God is a mighty God and He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. Praise the Lord. My Bible says that God is able to supply all of your needs according to his abundant riches and glory. He is able to always cause us to triumph. He is able to always bring victory to our life because he is a mighty, mighty, powerful, awesome, wonderful, everlasting God. Hallelujah. But what happens when the answer doesn't come right away? Here's the lesson that I've learned. When you know all the things that I've just said about God, but the answer doesn't come right away, there's a lesson to be learned. And I would to God today that every person sitting in this building could learn that lesson. I could start on this side and come up this side and that one and that one and start calling the names of people who have stood up against some astronomical circumstances in the past few months of your life. And it's easy when life is peaceful and everything is smooth sailing to say that God is an awesome God. But it's another thing when you've got your back against the wall and it doesn't seem like anything's working out and God has turned to deaf ear. It's something else to put your faith where your mouth is. It's something else to put your trust where your mouth is. But I'm here to tell you today, after one walking through the valley of difficulty with a number of our church families recently, I can still stand and proclaim to you the word of God that God is still mighty, he's still powerful, and he still has everything under control. Thank the Lord. Just several months ago, Dale Dunaway's brother was in a horrible, horrible car accident. The doctor said he wouldn't make it. And after he survived for 24 hours, then here comes another 24 hours for him to survive. Recently, we anointed a prayer cloth and sent it to the hospital. Within just a few days, he was out of the ICU into a hospital room. And as far as I know, he's gone home and he's waiting to recover enough because he wants to come out to Grace Church and thank God for the miracle that happened in his life and for God sparing him. Phil Elwood has been diagnosed with cancer, but we refuse to accept the finality of that. And I talked to him yesterday, and he said, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Has that kind of attitude that God is still on the throne. I visited with Mike and Sheila just several days ago, up against the wall in a horrible situation in their family. But they've turned a corner, and they've realized that God has it all in his hands, and God knows what. Does anybody hear what I'm saying today? There's a lesson I've learned that when things are all wrong in your life and the 
bottom falls out. If you can just hang on to God, just hang on to the Word of God, He's going to come through in due season. For the Bible said you'll reap if you faint not. I want to tell somebody today that there's a lesson I've learned. And when you get to the end of your rope, you hang on because God's coming. God's coming. God's coming. Oh, my. I'm going to tell you, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to drive Dave Bunch to Memphis this past Tuesday. Sister Murphy and I drove him. He wouldn't have to drive. He wouldn't have to worry about directions. Well, he did a little, but we made it. And, uh, but I can't tell you how many times it would get quiet in the car, and he was riding in the front beside me, and I'd look over, and he had his face against the window sobbing while his little boy Dawson and Farah were on a jet airplane headed to St. Jude's, not knowing what the prognosis would be, not knowing what the end of all of this would be. It was a pleasure and a privilege to literally grab him by the arm, grab him by the arm, and I told him as fervently as I could, and he can verify it if he were here. You hang on, buddy. It ain't over with yet. You stand your ground. You dig your heels in the dirt. We're still trusting God. We're still trusting God. I'm here to preach to somebody today. You may feel like God, much like Moses, that he's abandoned you. I've obeyed everything he said. I've done everything God wants me to do. And things are still falling apart in my life. You don't give up on Jesus. I've learned a lesson. If you'll hang in tough, my friend, God's coming. He's coming. In our scripture text, Moses is lashing out at God because he has done what God has told him to do, but things have gotten worse instead of better. And that is trying to get the children of Israel out from under the strong, militant hand of the Egyptians. I've done what you told me to do, but you haven't done anything, God. I've kept my part of the bargain but you haven't kept your part of the bargain. You still haven't delivered us from Egypt. You haven't showed up. We're still waiting for you to do what you said you would do. Last Sunday, I spoke to you about the bitter cries of Mary and Martha as they wept over the death of their brother and said, Jesus, where were you? If you had been here, he would not have died, they said. They called out to him, but he didn't show up. And now it's too late because Lazarus is not only dead, but he's been dead four days. Mary weeps off in a corner somewhere. And I just don't understand, God. I don't understand why you failed. I don't understand why you let me down. I'm confused. And Martha moans, Jesus, I thought you would have come. I thought you were our friend but you've not come yet yet there are times in all of our lives that things appear to be just like that things appear to be hopeless it appears to be over it appears that God has turned a deaf ear to you and to your cry 
It seems like your dreams are dead or dying. It looks like God has forgotten about you. You're desperate for an answer, but no answer comes. You feel like it's too late for God to do anything concerning your situation. You feel just like Martha did when her brother died. You're too late, God. You cry out, I've done it. I've been to this place many times. God, where are you? But the wind picks up your cry and slaps it back into your face again. You stagger along like a drunken man in your spirit as the enemy delivers more and more adversity against you. But wait, before you give up for good, let's take another look because there's a lesson to be learned off in the distance. I see God. I wanted to let that hang for a minute. I've noticed in my own life, and I'm sure you have, when you're in the middle of it, and it seems like there's no answer anywhere, it's hopeless, and there's no help, you can ask a third-party person to pray. This is what the bunches have done. You can ask a third-party person to pray. And where you might not see it, they can resound these words in your ear. And that's what I did Tuesday headed to Memphis. Hang on, Dave. I still see God, man. And he's coming. He's coming. He's got this. He knows what he's doing. You may be tested right now, but God has your life and your future in his hands. I thank God for a God. God like that. Praise God. Dave told me several days ago, he said one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 121. I said, that's odd because it's one of my favorites too, and I pray it often. I pray it often. The psalmist said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. For my help cometh from the Lord, which made the heaven and the earth. And he will not suffer or allow thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I've got some good news for somebody where you thought God forgot, where you thought God had abandoned. No, he didn't. He remembers and he's in your life and he's taking care of your situation. Clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Let me preach to you today and tell you that God knows all things well. Even when it seems like things are a disaster, God has his own plan and his own time clock for your life and for your deliverance. God is never too late, even when we think that he is. God is still in charge, and he is still on your side. I like the statement that my pastor friend Rick Langford said, God has a plan. It's huge, and I'm in it. God has a plan. It's huge. And I'm in it. 
I believe our steps, the Bible said, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And you can be rest assured today. The Bible said, the wise man said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. You can and you will eventually triumph over the distasteful business of hell in your life if you're willing to be patient and wait on the Lord even when the answer has not yet come. Isaiah, one of the most prolific Old Testament prophets, the Messianic prophet, said in Isaiah chapter 40, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, that my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faint not, neither is ever weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. He went on to say that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall shall walk and not faint. I'm not preaching to you a sermon. I've been to these places in my life, and I'm sure I will be again. And I've lived this. I've lived this. It's become my testimony when I prayed and cried that, God, you have finally abandoned and forgotten me. But something happened somewhere along the road somewhere that God gives that gentle, kind, sweet, patient assurance that says, no, I haven't. The prophet went on to say in Isaiah 55, God speaking here, for my thoughts are not yours, neither are your ways my ways. And for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and I shall it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God's ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. He doesn't do things like we would do them. He doesn't think like us. And there's a lesson that I've learned that in his word, it will not return void, and it will accomplish its intended purpose. I've lived that. I'm a testimony of that, and so have you. If God has ever told you that there's something he will do with your life, I don't care what happens. You know, I've told numerous people in times past that in the process of buying this building, which we have so deeply appreciated, and it's continuing to grow, I mentioned this Wednesday night, and I'll mention it again. I think uh, Brother Marilyn and Sister Christie had 15 in our church membership class. 
that just in the past few months, there's at least 15 people that want to attend Grace Church and become a member of Grace Church, and I'm thankful for that. We're continuing to grow, and God is continuing to bless. But we've been in buying this building. I can't tell you literally how many miles I walked pacing back and forth praying that, God, you brought us this building. It took us 14 months to buy it is my point. And I'm like, God, why don't you just hurry up and let's get this over with? I mean, if we're going to buy the building, I mean, what's the point in waiting? I'll be honest with you. He still hasn't told me why we had to wait 14 months. But I've accepted it. A lesson learned. You're not going to rush God. You're not going to get in his grill about anything. He's going to do things at his pace whether you like it or not. But the lesson learned is that he will do what he said he would do. And here we are. You know, I've heard this over and over, and so have you. I reminded Dave and Farrah of this this past week. You know, when you're in school and the teacher gives you a test, he or she sits at that desk and will watch you take that test and watch you struggle. And if you're not careful, she'll catch you cheating. I've been caught. <laughs> and what's a shame is I don't know why I ever thought the guy next to me was smarter than I was. But whatever he put down, I put down. And we both got it wrong. <laughs> and better off for me to just leave it blank. <laughs> but that teacher will see you struggling. And you know, you've written notes in your hand. Can I go ahead and tell this joke? This is hilarious. The little fellow that wrote all the answers in the band of his underwear. Y'all ever heard that? While he's taking the test, he'd just look down and pull out his under, underwear band and read off the answers. And finally, one of the last answers on the test was Fruit of the Loom. That was the brand name of his undies. If y'all didn't get that, see me after church and I'll go into more detail. We might have a volunteer, you know, that we can show you. We won't do that either, so... But I reminded Dave and Farah that when you're being tested, the teacher don't say nothing. And we have a hard time learning that lesson, that when we're in the middle of it, man, and life is turned inside out and it's sour, and we're going through the ringer, and we ask God and ask God and ask God. And he just wants to shout back and say, you're being tested, and I'm not going to say a word. I just want to see what you're going to do. And more than that, he wants us to see what we're going to do. You know, storms of life come to everybody, even to the child of God. And sometimes God calms the storm and other times he gets on board with us and goes through the storm with us. We anticipate that if God is with us, there should never be a storm, but that's not a biblical precedent. He ultimately calmed the storm for the disciples, but he rode a long time with them in that boat while they were fighting it. He was asleep. But they were still in the middle of a storm with Jesus. 
God did not prevent the three Hebrew boys from going in the fiery furnace, and neither did he prevent Daniel going into the, 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 the den of lions. We have to understand there are some lessons that we have to learn that he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you, ever. You look at the life of Paul, and you say, what a great man. I've actually heard people say, Man, I wish I could be like Paul. Be careful what you ask for. Here's his resume. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, and so much that we despaired even of life. But we've had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust, and he will yet deliver us. Notice what it says here about Paul. He had trouble. He despaired of life. He had a death sentence on him. He stated that he would not trust in himself, but in God. God delivered him from death. He trusted that God would deliver him again. In other words, there were some lessons that Paul learned. You want to be like Paul? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Again, he goes on in 2 Corinthians 11, Of the Jews five times, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I I suffered shipwreck a day and a night in the deep in journeyings often in perils of water perils of robbers perils of my own countrymen perils by the heathen perils in the city and in the wilderness and in the sea and among false brethren in weariness and painfulness and watchings often in hunger and thirst and fastings often in cold and nakedness beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches you want to be like Paul Yeah, he was a man greatly used by God. But he was also a man that suffered much for God. Paul suffered much pain. But what brought him through was his attitude toward the pain. He cared much more about the glory of God resting on him than he did the pain that he felt in and around him. And that is why his pain was turned into pleasure. He went on to say in 2 Corinthians 12, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations that was given to me, uh, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect and weak most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak then am I strong no it's not normal to take pleasure in infirmity 
and adversity. But the one thing Paul learned was that you must trust in God in spite of what you're going through. He learned that it's the pain and suffering that he is at times, the steadying influence in our life, the heavy burden can actually act as a ballast. Dr. Thomas Lambie, a medical missionary to Africa, told about how he forded many swift and bridgeless streams in Africa. The danger in crossing such stream lies in being swept off your feet and carried downstream to greater depths and hurled to death on hidden rocks. Dr. Lambie learned from the natives the best way to make such a hazardous crossing. Listen carefully. You find a large stone, they said. You find a heavy stone, the heavier the better. You lift it to your shoulder and you carry it across the stream. The extra weight of the stone keeps your feet solid on the bed of the stream while you're crossing. Dr. Lambie drew this application. While crossing the dangerous streams of life, enemies constantly seek to overthrow us and rush us down to ruin. We need the ballast of burden bearing, a load of affliction to keep us from being swept off of our feet. I encourage Dave this week to carry the calling of his ministry on his shoulders, to carry the purpose of you being in the kingdom of God to start with, to carry your calling, to carry your value, to carry what God wants you to do for him. Carry that on your shoulders to keep your feet steady through this time of adversity. Never forget your purpose. Martin Luther once said, Ah! Affliction is the best book in my library. Walter Knight tells of an American tourist who had just seen the Passion Play. He approached Mr. Lang, who played the part of Christ, and he asked, May I be photographed with you while I lift your cross? The tourist stooped to lift the cross, but he couldn't. He exerted more energy, but he still could not lift it. Looking to Mr. Lang, he said, Your cross is certainly heavy. Mr. Lang said, Sir, I cannot represent Christ with a light cross. Life will bring to us those grievous things that literally lift us heavenward. In life it will be those grievous things that keep us close to God. So why does God allow the trials to come? Why does God allow the pain to come? Why does God allow us to weep and cry over and over? Your pillow is oftentimes wet with your tears at night when you finally doze off into a restless sleep. You cry out to God, but it seems that He's not listening. You put a smile on your face when you deal with the world, but deep down inside you're broken and the pain is real. What can you do at a time like this? Job went through that kind of adversity. Hagar went through a desperate situation. Naomi went through extreme difficulty. Hannah went through a trying, dark time in her life. Jacob feared for his life when Esau was literally coming to kill him. David was once surrounded by his own men that wanted to stone him. 
Paul was stoned and left for dead. What do you think when you find yourself in a difficult situation? What do you do? The answer is quite simple. It's a lesson I've learned. You just simply trust in God. If you'll stand with me this morning, I read to you the verse that we quote so many times. It says, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And a lot of people think that's a patient wait. It's not. It's a serving wait. It's like you're being waited on at a restaurant. They that wait on the Lord, if you'll continue to serve Him in the same capacity that you did prior to your adversity, you'll mount up with wings as eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. I've lived this. I know what I'm talking about. Brother Merrill made an interesting conclusion this week. He shared it with Brother Dave. When Sister Murph and I came to Baker and assumed the pastor of this church, we had about 11 or 12 people at the time. My son fell sick at about 15, 16 years old, had an intestinal virus, and the doctor couldn't find it. After he was in the hospital for four days, I walked in the room that morning. Just, I was working a secular job at the time. And I walked into his room, and I noticed Marcus was curling up in a fetal position. He was dying. I got in the doctor's face. I did. I wasn't nice. I pointed my finger at Dr. Herschel Dean, and I said, You find out what's wrong with my son, and you'd find out now. I don't care what you have to do. It was hurting bad. And I'll never forget going home, and I talked to the ultimate physician about it got on my face before God and I was desperate and sobbing. It's a long story. But my son is now married and he's youth pastor in Landmark Church in Lafayette. God healed him. And it wasn't so many years ago that Brother Merrill and Sister Christie faced the same challenge with the birth of their first son. There for a little while it didn't look good for him either. Josh, wave your hand, buddy. Higher. Okay, there you go. How old are you? Twelve years old. God preserved his life. Now Dave and Farah. Did anybody get the picture? Sister Sheila showed me the title of a book in reference to their son in the God-awful tragedy that he's involved in right now. What's the name of that book? When I Lay My Isaac Down. Can't wait to read it. Sometimes God just wants to know, Abraham, are you willing to lay your Isaac down? It's a test. He wants you to see what you'll do. So I'm going to ask you today, are you content to continue to hold the hand of God. Peter wrote in his epistle, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice 
Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, that you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Pain and affliction are allowed so that people will keep close to Jesus in prayer. We don't want these things in our life. We don't welcome these times in our life, but it's the trial and the adversity that will purify us and bring us closer to God. It's the bearing of the burden that will strengthen us to endure all the way to the end. It's easy for people without much invested in this Christian walk to literally backslide or fall away from God. But those with something invested in their walk with God, those who have completely sold out to God, will want to hold on to Him. There's people here today that's been through the fire, the flood, the storm, the difficulties, the adversity. And the trying of their faith has produced a quality in them that the New Testament writer compared to as gold. Peter said, but the God of all grace, who hath called us with his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you've suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Let me hurry on to my conclusion today. If you'll notice the screen in Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early, the heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. And the God of Jacob is our refuge. I want to welcome somebody into that strong tower of divine protection, of divine sustenance, divine joy, divine peace. I'll never forget the moment in the waiting room at a St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Youngstown, Ohio, years ago. Betty Jo Grimm's husband had just died refused to go to church with her refused to go didn't want to hear it he died she knew that he died without a relationship with the god of his own admission not being judgmental of his own admission he said i walked into the waiting room and sister betty joe had her face buried in her hands and she was praying as sweetly as she knew how i love you jesus I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. It's all she could say. And I watched God's strong arm get underneath her. Dave told me an awesome story. He reminded me of it. One of a preacher that he had heard told the story. I've, I've read about it in documentary form. But eagles, we all know the mother eagle will literally push her young chicks out of the nest 
the eaglets out of the nest to teach them to fly. But if they can't, and they're falling and they're fluttering to the ground, the daddy eagle is close by. And just before they hit, this is documented in nature, he swoops up under them and catches them on his wings and soars them back up into the heavens. Mike and Sheila, have y'all found that to be true? He'll let you fall, but he's not going to let you crash. Dale, haven't you found it to be true? He'll swoop up underneath. Brother Phil, he'll swoop up underneath you, man, right before you crash. And he wants to do that for somebody here today. Feel the presence of the Lord just rumbling in this building right now. Oh, yes. As Casey begins to sing softly, I would like for everyone in the building, our guest, everybody, if you'll join us, we're not going to embarrass anybody, put anybody on. We just want you to join us today. Just come stand around the front and just take a moment to cast your burden and your concern, to cast your adversity on him.